we are going to have at least one more message in the Kingdom uh, Within series. I spoke too soon last week. God still had more. So um, he wants me to talk about peace this morning. Peace has been a word that's been on my mind all week long. Peace is something that is desperately needed in our lives. All you have to do to know and understand that we need peace is to watch the news or listen to the news. We need the peace of God. The world needs the peace of God now more than ever. And the message is entitled, The Kingdom Within, Experiencing Perfect Peace. So we need to learn how to experience peace, not just to know about it, but to experience it. For example, how many of you have ever watched a cooking show before? All right, looks good, doesn't it? Looks delicious, you can almost smell it, but you can't experience it at the end. You can only see it, but you can't experience it. So God wants you to be able to experience peace, not just to know about it, but to experience it, because in these last days, we're going to need God's peace. Times are not going to get better. They're going to get worse. So what that lets us know is that we must have an increase in peace. To experience the perfect peace of God, we must learn to lean and focus on him. This is achieved by ignoring the lies of the devil and having complete confidence in the word of God, Jesus Christ. I'm going to say it again. To experience, say experience. To experience the perfect peace of God, we must learn to lean and focus on him. This is achieved by ignoring the lies of the devil and having complete confidence in the word of God, Jesus Christ. Can I have everyone stand? I'm going to have you repeat after me some things. God wants to get some truth down in your soul, some truth down in your inward parts, and because peace needs to be stirred up sometimes. The reason we don't have peace many times is because we're believing a lie. We're allowing what we see to minister to us. Remember this always. Whatever you focus on ministers to you. So if you focus on the problem, then stress ministers to you. But if you focus on Jesus, then peace will minister to you. Whatever you meditate on will overcome your mind and overtake your mind. No matter how saved you are, no matter how many Bible verses you've memorized, whatever you meditate on will overtake your mind. So we must begin to meditate on God, and we're going to stir up some peace today. And I just want you to repeat after me. These are some truths that God has given me that I want you to, um, to, to recite with me. And then if you don't have the church app, please get the church app. And uh, you can have all my notes at your disposal, okay? Because you might not be able to write everything down I say, but I've done that for you. Let's begin. Say this with me. Peace is not a feeling. Peace is not a feeling. It's a fact. It's a fact. Peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is not the absence of trouble. But rather... The presence, of God. the presence of God. Peace doesn't come from the world, from the world. but God's word. God's word. Peace, is a promise Peace is a promise received by, received by. A, yes a yes and amen to his word. To his word. Peace, is a gift Peace is a gift from the person, from the person. Jesus, Christ. Jesus Christ. We're going to do it again. Peace is not a feeling. Peace is not a feeling. It's a fact. Peace is not the absence of trouble, but rather the presence of God. 
Peace doesn't come from the world. But God's word. Peace is a promise. Received by a yes and amen. To his word. Peace is a gift. From the person Jesus Christ. Let's praise God for that truth. You may have a seat. Peace is not a feeling. Peace is not something that you feel. Peace is a fact. Peace is not the absence of trouble. You're going to have trouble in this life. So peace is not the absence of trouble. I can be in trouble and still have peace because peace is not the absence of trouble, but rather the presence of God. Peace doesn't come from the world. So the world can't give me peace. And if the world can't give me peace, they can't take my peace away either. So it's not my bank account that gives me peace. It's not my car operating correctly that gives me peace. It's not having a job that gives me peace because those are all worldly things. May your peace never be connected to anything that you can see with your own eyes because peace is not a fact. I'm sorry, a feeling. Peace is a fact. Peace is also a promise. God said, uh, my peace I leave with you. So it's a promise. And the way that you receive any of the promises of God is by activating the faith that God has given us all a measure of and saying yes and amen to his truth. So for example, if you feel like the whole world is against you at times, you feel like nobody likes you and just everything is against you, if you want peace in that moment, you remember that the word of God says that if God be for me, who can be against me? And when you read that verse or recite that verse, you just say yes and amen. That's a fact. If God be for me, who else can be against me? So that's how we receive peace by a yes and amen to God's word because God's word never fails. Anybody believe in God in here? Am I preaching to the right crowd? All right? I'm not at Bob Evans, right? All right, I'm at church, and this, this is the house of God, and you are the people of God. And finally, peace is a gift from the person of Jesus Christ. Who in the world is strong enough to take something from you that Jesus gave you? If peace is a gift, that means the devil and his dirty hands can't steal it from you because Jesus gave it to you. The only way that peace leaves you is if you give it away. The only way you lose your peace is if you give it away. We were promised that there would be some trouble in this world, and I believe the reason that God did not allow me to move on from this series about the kingdom within, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, is because there's some days coming ahead of us, there's some days coming ahead of us that we're going to need to experience his peace, because things aren't going to be perfect but his peace is, amen? amen? The kingdom within, experiencing perfect peace. So let's listen to what Jesus said about the end of the age, and maybe we will begin to realize why he wants us to learn how to experience his peace. We're going to Matthew chapter 24, verses 3 through 14. It says this, Later Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will all of this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many, 
and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only the first of the birth pains. So imagine a woman is pregnant and she begins to feel birth pains. So the earth is pregnant right now, and we're just experiencing the birth pains of the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So all the trouble we see in the world is not signaling the end of the world is, is, is going to happen right now. It just says the beginning has already occurred. So Jesus, listen to me, Jesus is already on his way back. Because we're experiencing the birth pains right now. We're having earthquakes everywhere. We're having pestilence or sicknesses and diseases like COVID. It's just a signal that Jesus is coming back. See, God is not going to let disease wipe out this world. The reason that there is a disease in this world right now is to point people to Jesus Christ and say the end is very near. Amen? Amen. So listen to this. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You'll be hated all over the world. Don't, don't you see it happening now? This cancel culture is really coming after Christians. They're just practicing right now. They're practicing on each other, all right? But this cancel culture is really aimed at Christianity. They're, com they're coming after us. They're coming after our faith. They're coming after our religious liberties, all right? It's happening through people, but the agenda is from Satan. So this cancel culture could care less about what somebody tweets 10 years ago and loses their job. They're just practicing now so they can persecute the church, all right? Church, the church is going to be persecuted, but that's okay. Then you'll be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. I'm going to say it again. The good news about the kingdom will be preached. That's what we're doing right now. We're in that series about preaching the kingdom throughout the whole world. So listen, our messages are being broadcast in Africa. They're watching right now in India and other parts of the world. There's missionaries all over the world. And that's another signal. Listen, not only is the bad stuff a signal that the end is near and Jesus is coming, the evidence that the gospel of Jesus Christ is being preached all over the world is also another signal that Jesus is on his way back. So that shows us there the reason that we need peace is that there is trouble in this world. Second Timothy 3 and 1 says this, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. So listen, Times are difficult now, but they're not very difficult yet. Do you, want, do you want to hear what very difficult is? Very difficult is when you can't buy or sell without taking the mark of the beast. Very difficult is when you're not allowed to even say the name of Jesus without being killed. 
Very difficult is when you're not even able to assemble yourselves and worship God freely in this nation or in the world anymore. That's very difficult times. So these afflictions that we're going through now, Paul would call them light afflictions. Yes, it's uncomfortable, but it's not unbearable yet. So the opposite of peace. Why do we need peace? What's the opposite of peace? It's conflict, discord, strife, trouble, turmoil, unrest, upheaval, brokenness, fighting, warfare. So all of those things go, in, go on not only in the world, but in ourselves right now. Some of you sitting in this very sanctuary and watching online, there's trouble going on within you right now, and you need God's peace. And he's going to tell us through his word how to experience and obtain that peace. Some of you have went through various uh, breaks in relationships. Some of you have lost a loved one. There is something on the inside where you feel incomplete and you feel broken. But God's peace is coming for you today. You're going to experience his peace because his peace leaves no stone unturned. His peace leaves no pieces broken on the ground. He puts us back together and he is the one that does it. He is the prince of peace, the ruler of peace, the giver of peace. And the more you know Jesus Christ, the more peace you have. Because peace comes from a person, not just the absence of problems. You see, there's some people in this world that have no problems, but have no peace either. You can have a lot of money and still have no peace. You're like, Pastor, can I sign up and try that? I'd like to try that. But listen. Peace only comes from Jesus, and peace is spiritual. Amen? So listen, the main reason we needed peace is because we had trouble in ourselves. Adam and Eve birthed trouble when they sinned in the garden. So we needed peace with God because we had a broken relationship. Broken relationship with God is not peace with God. Because if you do not have a relationship with God, then that means that you are not his. And the wrath of God is coming. So when Jesus comes back, he's not the baby in the manger anymore, nor is he the one that's going silently to the cross anymore. When Jesus comes back, he's coming back on a white horse with all power. He's coming back with a sword. Jesus is not coming back weak at all. He's not this feeble little sandal-wearing Jesus with dirty feet. He's coming back with all power and all glory. And even the atheists and those that are unbelieving, the word of God says that they will bow their knees to him and declare that he is Lord. So this Jesus that's coming back is nothing like the Jesus that left. He was peaceful when he left. But when he comes back, he's coming back for his people, and the wrath of God is going to be poured out against those who remained in sin. Those that remained in sin were born in sin and never born again. In order to experience the peace of God, you must be born again. Ephesians 2 verse 1, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. So that's Satan. Satan is the prince of the power of the air, while Jesus Christ is the prince of peace. And we'll look at that a little bit more as we go on. Now, he is the spirit, talking about Satan, he is the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, 
fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the other. Remember when I said that the wrath of God is going to be poured out on all those that have not accepted Jesus Christ as Savior? Those are the ones who are being led by Satan and fulfilling all their sinful desires. But to break free from that, Jesus Christ came and all of our sins were poured onto him if we should so believe that we might have peace with the Father again. Verse 4 says this, But God, who was rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God." not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that's our eternal purpose, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. So we thank God that we are not strangers to the covenant of promise anymore. Before we had no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Here's the point I wanted to really get at this morning. And I want you to say this after I say it. For he himself is our peace. We're going to say it again. For he himself is our peace. So what does that tell us? That peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is not perfect circumstances. Peace is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. And the word of God says that for he himself is our peace. What peace? Before, when we were sinners, the wrath of God was going to come against us. But Jesus Christ stepped into our place and God's wrath was poured upon him. So Jesus was our peacemaker. You better praise Jesus in this place. Jesus was our peacemaker. What should have been poured out on us was poured out on him on the cross. And through what he did, through that sacrifice, we now have peace with God. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, peace with God is more important than peace with the bank. Peace with God is more important than peace with the neighbor or with your family. Because peace with God ultimately means that you will spend eternity with him. And all that matters is where we will spend our eternity. Has it, raise your hand if you've ever lost a loved one before. They're gone. They've left this world. Guess what? If God doesn't delay his coming, that's going to be us too. We all got to die. We all got to leave this world. And it's so important that you leave this world with your peace with God intact through Jesus Christ. Nothing else matters. When you stand before God, he's not going to ask you for anything else except his son. 
his relationship with your son and the blood that signals that you have been redeemed by the perfect lamb of God. All right, let's keep going. For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that means the the conflict between God and man, Jesus took it upon himself, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinance is so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity or the conflict between us and God has been eradicated because of Jesus' sacrifice. Verse 17, and he came and preached peace to you who are afar off and to those who were near. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. So what do we learn right now? That the most important peace is this. Forget Forget peace in your health. Forget peace in your finances. Forget all, kind, all that earthly peace, which is good, but not absolutely necessary. The most important peace that you can have in your life right now is peace with God. And the one that gives that to you is Jesus Christ. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have not turned away from your sins, then that means you do not have peace with God. What does that mean? That if you were to die right now in that state, that in the end, there's going to be a great separation. There'll be some on this side, which is the righteous, and there'll be some on that side, which is the wicked. And for all of eternity, eternity, the wicked will be separated from God, and they'll be going to a place called hell where there will be everlasting fire and no death. Well, how would, why would God do that to me? He didn't. He gave you all these years. He put a preacher in front of you that told you that peace with God is the most important thing that you can obtain, and you need to put your faith in Jesus Christ so that you can spend forever with him, and you don't have to worry about hell ever. Heaven is your portion when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, and the time to do that is right now. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't you ever in your life say, I'll get saved tomorrow. Don't you ever in your life say, I'll get saved next month or after I've had a little bit of fun or after I get married or after I have kids. None of that is promised. The only thing that is promised is that if you are alive right now, that one day you will die. We must have peace with God. All right, let's go to Ephesians 2 and 14. So we will see that our peace is located somewhere. Our peace is in Jesus. Ephesians 2.14 says, for he himself is our peace. So he has given us the gift of himself, the gift of peace. So peace is a person or comes from one place, and that place is Jesus Christ. Let's go to John chapter 14, verses 26 through 27. I've been preaching to you about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And listen to this, verse 26. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift. This is Jesus talking. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is the gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. 
So if any of you are troubled or afraid right now, you're afraid that you're not going to be able to make the mortgage payment or you're already behind or you're afraid of this or afraid of that, that's not the gift God gave you. Worry is not a gift. Fear is not a gift. Peace is a gift. And he says, listen, the peace I give, the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. So what kind of peace is this? It's perfect peace. The definition of perfect is this, being entirely without fault or defect or flawless. It's an ideal standard. It is expert and proficient, lacking in no essential detail. It is complete and mature. So God's peace is perfect. So when you experience God's perfect peace, that means nothing is missing or broken. So say a young lady breaks up with you and says, I never want to see you again and leaves you behind. If you're experiencing God's peace, that doesn't matter. Yes, my heart might ache and I might be heartbroken, but his peace is perfect. So if his peace is perfect, that means no matter what kind of storm or situation my life is in, I'm going to experience his perfect peace because perfect peace is only from him. So if I say I only have peace, if this is good and that is good and that is good, that's not perfect peace because it can be touched, it can be altered, it can be manipulated. But God's peace is perfect because it cannot be touched by anything in this world. So even if I have a sickness in my body and they say I'll only live for two more years, I can still experience God's peace because peace is not tied to anything in this world. That's what you must learn today. This world is going to get worse and worse. It's going to get more evil and more hateful. It might even be harder to find food. It might be hard to find water one day. But you better have a relationship with Jesus Christ because you will be able to retain your peace. It is perfect. So even here's, here's what perfect peace is. Even when you have a reason to worry, you still have peace. Even when you have trouble, like right now trouble, you still have peace. That peace, perfect peace doesn't run off. Perfect peace doesn't leave when the fire gets hot. The Hebrew boys refused to bow to the statue Nebuchadnezzar made, and they said, we are very careful to answer you to this, to, uh, this, in, in this matter, but listen, we know that God is able to save us even if we are thrown into that fire, we'll be okay. Now that's peace. That, listen to me, that was thousands of years ago and the oppression is probably gonna get worse. I, I really hope people are paying attention right now because this message is not from Damien. Please listen to me. It's going to get worse in this world for Christians. Thousands of years ago, they were already throwing us into the fire. Do you know what a Roman candle is? We think a Roman candle is a firework that you let off. But really what a Roman candle is, is the Romans would light Christians on fire and hang them up places. That was oppression thousand years ago. But a greater oppression is coming. And so we need to be able to have perfect peace with God. Why? So that we don't lose it. Because if you don't have perfect peace with God and you desire peace from this world, when they come looking for us and say, unless you denounce Jesus Christ, we're going to kill you on the spot. If you don't have perfect peace and you want the world's peace, you will say, well, I denounce Jesus then. I want to live. You got to get ready for this. 
These are just the birth pains. The coronavirus is just the birth pains. The, 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 the attempt to steal our religious liberties is just the birth pains. Because who we're fighting against is not anti-God people. Who we're fighting against is the anti-Christ spirit. Okay? Let's keep going. To be perfect is to faithfully reproduce the original. Who's got a dollar or five dollar bill they can give me? Move quickly, move quickly, move quickly. A lot quicker than uh, offering comes in. All right. Just any bill will work. Thank you. All right. To be, to be perfect is a faithful reproduction. So if I was to perfectly copy this dollar bill, all right, and be able to pass it, and even if they put the little marker on it, the marker still show up, or even if they look in the light and still see the strip, that means that it was perfect. It was a perfect copy of the original. That's what perfect is, all right? And the Lord is calling us to work in or operate in perfect peace. He desires us to be perfect. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, keeping that in mind. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Remember, to be perfect is to be a faithful, to faithfully reproduce the original. So Jesus Christ was the original. And when you believe on Jesus Christ, you become a new creature in him. You become perfect in him. You become a faithful reproduction. So how do we know this? Because the Bible says that as Jesus was in this world, so are we. That means we are faithful reproductions of Jesus Christ and we are perfect in him. So the peace that Jesus had, we have as well. I need to talk to you a little bit about uh, Satan, the prince and power of the air. Now, we know that Satan cannot be seen with the eye, but we see his effects, okay? We see what he does. He blows his wind, and there's riots in Minneapolis. He blows his wind, and there's murders in our streets. He blows his winds, and there is lying, and there is adultery, and there's murder, and there's all sorts of evil because he is the one in charge of the sons and daughters of disobedience. He is the one that leads them. So just like the Holy Spirit leads us to do good things, Satan leads sinners to do evil things, all right? He's the, the prince and power of the air or over this atmosphere. We're going to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 2 through 3, and it says this, and once, In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. So Jesus, I'm sorry, Satan is the prince and power over the air, over the atmosphere. That's why there's so much evil in the world. That's why it really appears that this world is more full of evil than it is of good because Satan rules this dominion, this atmosphere. He rules over those who have not received Jesus Christ as their savior. 
But when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, Satan no longer rules over you. You rule over him, and he's under your feet. He can't make you sin anymore because the Holy Spirit lives within you, and you are controlled by righteousness now and not lust and evil. All right? But Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. And we're just, we're just building a foundation. I'm going to tell you how to uh, experience perfect peace in just a moment. But we first had to build a very strong foundation so I can tell you where peace comes from, the devil's job in disrupting our peace, and who Jesus is. He's the prince of peace. We're in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, and it says this. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. So who else is Jesus? He is also the Word of God. So your Bibles, hold them up. If you got your Bible, hold it up. Even if you're using your phone or your iPad, hold it up. Jesus is the Word of God. So listen, the relationship that you have with your Bible is a direct, uh, is a direct representation of the relationship you have with Jesus. So little time with your Bible, little time with Jesus. Don't know your Bible, don't know Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying? All right, you can put them down. Jesus is the Word of God. The reason we hate to read the Bible sometimes is because we haven't crucified our flesh. Your flesh wants TikTok. Your flesh wants Instagram. Your flesh wants, your, wants Facebook. But the spirit man on the inside, if you're born again, wants Jesus. And Jesus is the Word of God. So your spirit man would rather spend time in the Bible, but the problem is our flesh is stronger than our spirit. And anytime your flesh is stronger than your spirit, you're going to go after which, which, which desire is stronger. So if you spend more time on social media than you do in your Bible, that means your flesh is stronger than your spirit. And anytime your flesh is stronger than your spirit, that's a very dangerous position to be in. You don't have peace. Anytime your flesh is stronger than your spirit, when an attack comes against you, you're not going to be very prepared. You're going to be knocked off your feet because your relationship with the Bible, a.k.a. Jesus, isn't very strong. Even if this hurts, even if you don't want to hear this, it's the truth. If you don't read your Bible, you won't know who Jesus is. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes to remind us of all truth. But how can the Holy Spirit remind you of something that you don't even study? How can the Holy Spirit remind you of truth if you're not putting it inside? I know this doesn't feel good, but neither does hell. Do you hear what I'm saying? Let's make a commitment this week. Let's raise our hand if we're going to put more time in the Bible this week. How many of you are willing to do that? More time in the Word this week, all right? It will produce good fruit in us if we're willing to do that. All right, Jesus is the Word of God. John 1, 14 says this, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, 
the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the last point I want to make before, I teach, before the Holy Spirit teaches us how to experience perfect peace, the last point I want to make is that Jesus is the Word of God. And the more you study the Word, the more you know Jesus. The more you walk in the Word, the more you walk with Jesus, okay? So the point that we need to make today is that these, these eight words on the, uh, the wall behind me, life represents love, identity, faith, and eternal purpose. That means that you have been saved, you're full of God's love, you have a new identity in Christ, you live by faith, and you're completing your purpose because nobody wants to show up in front of God not completing his purpose. You want to be able to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. God doesn't care how good of a beautician you were, how good of a pipe fitter you were. You're not working towards earthly things to please God. He just cares, did you fulfill the reason in which I sent you? So this is our relationship with God, and rest is our discipline, our discipleship. We live by the word. Revelation is the truth of God's word being known to us. Empowerment is the faith that we have in God. When we hear his word, something activates in us, and we're going to be empowered to perform God's will in our lives. The S stands for strategy. God will give us specific details and instructions on what to do in our situation through the word of God. The Word of God has all the answers because Jesus has all the answers, okay? So the more you study the Word of God and apply it to your life, the more bulletproof and stormproof your life will be. And finally, when we have a revelation from God, His Word never fails and always results in triumph. But sometimes, but sometimes we fall away. But sometimes we we're not resting in God's word. Sometimes there's trouble. And the reason there's trouble sometimes in our lives is because we stray away. We stray away from doing what God has told us to do and trouble enters. So the opposite of rest is, is stress and worry and trying to work that thing out. The reason marriages aren't blessed is because there's somebody in the marriage or both parties in the marriage not doing what God said do to make the marriage successful. There's a plan in the Bible. If you would live by the Bible, you would have good fortune. If you would live by the Bible, your life would be blessed. If you would live by the Bible, you could rest in his promises and things would be well with us. But there's some parts of our lives where we're not living by the Bible. If your finances are a mess, you're not living by the Bible. Ooh, got quiet in here. If we live by the word, we will do well. So what God wants to do is reestablish peace in his people. So the first thing that we have to do to obtain peace again is get back to rest. Do what God said. That's what rest means. You can only enter into his rest by faithful, faithfully believing and doing what God said do. That's a place of rest. That's when your activity stops and your stress stops. You see, we think that we can work hard enough to be blessed outside of doing it God's way, and it never works. One time I needed a car, and I didn't have a lot of money, and my credit wasn't good. I was early 20s probably. And so I went on Craigslist, and I found a car, and I got a ride to Columbus and paid $800 for a car. 
because it's what I could afford. And it's what I thought up. It was an Audi 300. It was a pretty car. However, I didn't know everything about this car. And one day, driving to police academy, I was driving down the street, and all of a sudden, smoke began to fill my car. Rapidly. So I had to pull over my, my $800 car on the side of the road. I had time enough to get my books out, and within minutes, that entire car was on fire engulfed in flames. What if the locking mechanism of the car had went out and I wouldn't be able to get out of the car? I could have died in that $800 car because it was my plan and it was my way. And it brought me peace because I didn't want to wait on God. It's deadly not to wait on God. You should always wait on God and just rest and be patient. But sometimes we lose focus. Sometimes the problem is so big that we lose sight of God and we think God's taking too long. So we take our eyes off God and we go to Google and we go to family members and we try to do things on our own. But what we need to do is learn how to focus again so that we can obtain his rest. Here's what focus means. F-O-C-U-S means this. Freedom of choice under stress. Here's the teaching part. I've done the preaching. Here's the teaching. I'm going to teach you how to experience God's perfect peace, and it's by getting back to the place of rest, by getting back to what God said so that you can be empowered by his word. He can give you a strategy for triumph because his strategy was this. I have been blessed to receive cars in my life that I never paid for. So God put it on somebody's heart to give me cars multiple times, and they gave them to me. Because I rested, I waited, and I trusted God. When you move on your own, you get all the glory, and your glory will always go up in flames because God does not compete with our glory. Amen? So freedom of choice under stress. Say that with me. Freedom of choice under stress. So in order to regain focus, you have to remember that when you are stressed out by a situation or a problem, when the wind and waves are blowing against you that Satan has caused in your life, you have to focus on God again. You've got freedom of choice under stress. That means this. We are not slaves to our situations. We have the option and the freedom to choose to focus on Jesus and not the problem. Stress is a product of fear, the result of believing that the situation has the final say. To focus is to remember that we are not alone in the storm. The last two letters of focus is us, which represents the Lord and ourselves. Our trust is in the Prince of Peace who dominates Satan, the prince and the power of the air. So when Satan blows trouble into your life, don't watch the trouble. Don't look at the trouble or you'll begin to sink and to drown. You have freedom of choice under stress. When you are stressed out, do not focus on the stressor. Focus on the Prince of Peace. Because what happens in our moments of stress of a believer is this. We have peace coming from God at all times while we focus on him. But the storms of life created by Satan cause the wind and the waves to blow around us. 
What do wind and waves look like? It looks like that third collection notice in the mail. It looks like that uh, family member that's an alcoholic who just won't get it right. It looks like whatever situation that makes you want to give up your peace. But what I'm trying to teach you today is that if you focus, you can regain your peace. Isaiah 26 and 3 says this. This is the perfect scripture for this truth. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Focus. Freedom of choice under stress. Last Friday, I believe, my wife's car died in the driveway. I have no idea why, just had no power or anything, okay? So I began to think about it. I called the dealership. They said, well, it might be the charging system. Maybe the charging system is going out. Can you say stress? All right, so there's a situation in my driveway, a dead car. And if I focus on this dead car, you can, listen, when you start to stress, you feel peace just leave. When you focus on the wind and the waves, when you focus on the trouble, peace will just begin to diminish. So I begin to think, man, that sound, charging system, that sounds expensive. <laughs> so I went out there and I said, you know what? I popped the hood. I pulled my other car around to jump it and said, you know what? I'm just going to focus on Jesus. Because listen, freedom of choice. That's what focus is. I don't have to dwell on this problem. I'm not a slave to this situation. I have freedom of choice under stress. And the U.S. in focus is us. So I'm not going to focus on this. I'm going to focus on us. So there I am under the hood of the car, and my neighbor yells over, hey, you need some help? As I'm focused on Jesus. I'm like, yeah. So he comes over, and he says, you know what, man? He said, I used to work at a Honda dealership. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Here I am stressing about how to get my car to a Honda dealership while my neighbor used to work for a Honda dealership in the service department. So because I refuse to stress, listen what stress will have you do. Because I almost did it. Well, I've got AAA. I'll just have them come tow the car to the dealership. Don't let stress minister to you. Be still and focus on Jesus, and he will give you rest. So the revelation, watch this. The revelation was just to be still and trust me and know that I am God. The empowerment was, okay, God, I'm not going to focus on this trouble right now. I'm going to keep my mind on you. The strategy was to pop the hood myself and begin to look under there. Well, I don't know nothing about nothing. All right. And then the, the, and then the, the, the triumph was, as I was obedient to just stay there and be still, I was seen by my neighbor who used to work at a Honda dealership that came over and helped me, and we got it running. Focus. Freedom of choice under stress. We're not going to stress out, because when you stress out, the spirit of fear grabs a hold of you. But when you focus on us, you and the Lord, he's able to minister peace to you again. So again, we're, you're learning this morning, and we're almost done. You're learning this morning how to 
experience perfect peace because it was a battle for a minute. It was not peaceful for a minute. I'm, gonna, I'm thinking about how much money I have to spend for a minute, but I remembered, say remember. I remembered I have freedom of choice under stress. When I'm stressed out, I don't have to, to, to look at the stressor. I can look at the blesser. That kind of rhymes. I, I do that a lot to help me remember things. You don't have to focus on what's stressing you out. You focus on Jesus. And the reason being is this. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 says that, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Remember that always. We walk by faith and not by sight. So your worry enters by what you see, but your faith enters by what you have heard. Remember the word of the Lord. Faith comes by hearing. Fear comes by seeing, but faith comes by hearing. Um, we've got to learn how to not do the worry wobble. The worry wobble is when we're strong one minute and weak the next, and we just look like this from heaven. Strong, weak, strong, weak. James 1, 2 through 8 tells us that we should ask in faith without doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. We've got to learn, church, how to walk on the word through the wind and the waves. So when the wind begins to blow, just as it did when Peter uh, got out of the boat, Peter said, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come. And Jesus said, come. We walk by faith when we have a word to walk on. This is good. We walk by faith when we have a word to walk on. Jesus said, come, and Peter walked on water. He had a word to walk on. Peter was wise enough to say, if that's you, Jesus, if you tell me to come, I can come. And he got out of the boat and began to walk on water because of something he heard. He heard the Lord say, come. But immediately what happened? What he heard was overcome by what he was seeing around him. Remember, faith comes by hearing, but fear comes by seeing. He began to see the wind and the waves and began to immediately sink. So in order for you to walk by faith in whatever situation you guys are going through, it's very important that you begin to study the word of God, receive a word that has to do directly with your situation, and that's something I do use Google for. So if I'm ever angry, I'll search Google for Bible verses about anger, and I'll sit there and I'll read those verses, and I will be able to walk by faith in that area because now I have a word. So that was focus. So once we're focused back on the Lord, we're trying to enter back into his rest again. So then we have to learn how to lean on him again. So we're going to experience his perfect peace by leaning on his word. And to lean or to be a leaner is this, to love, to entrust, to anticipate, and to now enter rest. Leaner. Love, and trust, anticipate, now enter rest. So after we focus on Jesus, all right, our peace is returning to us. We see him again, but we've got to get close enough to him where we can just lean and rest on him again. And I told you that Jesus and the word are the same. 
So as you lean on the word, you're leaning on Jesus. Here's what leaner means. After we have regained our focus, we are able to enter the Lord's rest again by leaning on him. We are able to lean on him because we know that he loves us. So that's the first uh, word in lean is love. Since he loves us, we can entrust him with our situations, those things that disturb our peace. After we have given him ourselves fully and the problem, we now faithfully anticipate triumph. Now that we have the ability to enter his rest, his completed and good plans for us. So what does it mean to lean? It means this. Now that I focus back on God, now that I focus back on us, my relationship with him, now that my peace is returning, it's not really my peace until I can lean again and rest. So to lean means this. The reason that I can lean on God, number one, is because he loves me. He loves me. And there's nothing that can separate me from his love so I can lean on him. After I am leaning on him, the letter E means to entrust. So whatever the situation was that stole my peace, I can just cast my cares on him because he cares for me. The next thing I'm able to do, letter A, is anticipate. So since I have given him my problems, now I anticipate that I'm going to have the victory in whatever it was. And then finally, I am now able to enter into his rest again. And that's where we have to get back to, church. The more you know his word, the more peace you have, because he is his peace. Let's stand. Learning to experience his perfect peace. Learning to experience his perfect peace. So we know that Jesus Christ is the prince of peace. He's the ruler of peace. And we know that there is a, a God, little g, in this world named Satan that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He doesn't want you to have peace. He doesn't want your marriage well. He doesn't want you to be blessed. He doesn't want you healthy. So he's going to blow the wind against you because that's what he controls. He controls the, the air and the atmosphere. He can send evil your way, especially, especially while you're walking on water especially while you're walking on the word, while you're looking at Jesus and you're trusting him and you've, you, you've got him in sight and you're experiencing his peace. Those are the ones that the devil attacks. Those are the ones that he's going to come against you with situations. But listen to me. The peace that you experiencing experience from God is situation proof. The peace that you experience from God is waterproof, it's windproof, it's lie-proof, disease-proof, no matter depression-proof, anxiety-proof, death-proof. This peace that comes from God cannot be touched. This peace that comes from God is Jesus himself, and we are duplications of Jesus Christ if we have been born again. But there are times because we have moments of weakness. There are times where our peace will be under attack and we will take our eyes off Jesus and we will look at the storm. And when we look at the storm, we begin to listen to what the storm is saying to us. You're gonna lose the house. Uh, 
This isn't going to work. You're going to get fired. This isn't going to last. That uh, Your mom had this disease. You're going to have this disease. Your dad died young. You're going to die young. Please don't look at the storm. We must focus our eyes on Jesus. And remembering that focus means I have freedom of choice under stress. That even though I am walking towards God and his peace is always available, there will be wind and waves. But in that moment, I am not a slave to the waves or the wind. I've got a choice to make. Every time I'm stressed out, I've got a choice to make. Every time I'm worried, I have a choice to make. I have freedom of choice even while I'm under this stress. So I'm going to focus on us. I'm going to focus on my relationship with the Lord. And as I begin walking towards him again and getting closer and closer to him again, the word says that as we draw near to the Lord, that he comes close to us as well. And then we are able to lean on him again. And why can we lean on the Lord? Because he loves us. Because he wants us to entrust our cares to him. He wants us to live by faith and anticipate that he's going to take care of it all. And now we can enter into his rest again. We can enter into his arms again, into his peace again. And brothers and sisters, that is how you experience his perfect peace. Lord, we come to you this morning in need of your perfect peace. There are people in this room right now who have wind and waves blowing all around them. But God, they have freedom because your word says who the Son has set free is free indeed. Your word says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So we have the option this morning to choose you. We have the option this morning to Bow only to the prince of peace and never to the prince of the power of the air. Lord, forgive us for being worried. Forgive us for being stressed out. Forgive us for staring at the problem. Forgive us for casting our care only to go and get it a little bit later because you haven't moved fast enough. But here is the deal. Our peace comes not when he moves the problem, our peace comes as we focus back on the Lord and walk towards him. Our peace comes when we get so close to Jesus and his word that we're able to lean on it. To lean means to put your full weight upon. To lean means to put your full trust in. And it is only there, God, while we lean, are we able to enter your rest. When we enter your rest, we remember that you are God and we are not. When we enter your rest, we remember that you're the miracle worker and we are not. When we enter your rest, we remember that you are the problem solver. We are not. We are simply your children. My children have never come to me asking to pay the bills. My children have never come to me asking me to asking to take over the duties that the father does in the house. They just enjoy the fruit of my labor. So that's what God wants us to remember, that he is God and he is our heavenly father. And he, through Jesus Christ, has received total victory and honor and glory. And all he asks us to do is to trust him.
Lord, bless these people in Jesus' name. Amen.